we are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2, Episode 22, and Straight On Till Morning. The original air date was May 12th, 2013. The writers were the Kitsuits. The director was Dean White. And the title card pictures Neverland. We begin our story aboard the Jolly Roger. Hook stares at a drawing of his deceased lover, Mila. His shipmate, Smee, comforts the captain by telling him that he will manage to kill Rumpelstiltskin. Hook changes the subject, asking Smee about the condition of their captive. According to Smee, the boy has had better days, but will certainly live. The two begin to query as to where this captive came from. Hook recognizes that the boy's clothes are not of Neverland. Smee asks Hook if it's possible that the boy was an abductee of him and informs Hook that he may come looking for the boy. Hook tells Smee that although this may be true, the boy could be the key to surviving in Neverland. Balefire awaits beneath the ship's deck. Hook comes in to tell his captive how lucky he is for being saved. Balefire disagrees, complaining about being kidnapped by pirates in a land with magic. The captain says that most children would find Neverland to be a pleasant place comparable to paradise, which leads to him asking Balefire why he came here in the first place. Balefire tells Hook that he came to Neverland so a family he loved could be saved. Hook mockingly calls Balefire a hero. Balefire asks Hook what a pirate would know about heroes, and Hook responds that a pirate saved his life. Hook is just like, oh no, we got a badass in here. (laughs) (laughs) Got a feisty one. (laughs) Balefire tells Hook that a pirate tore apart his family by kidnapping and killing his mother. Hook then asks Balefire about his father whom Balefire says is a coward for abandoning him. And Killian is like, uh-oh, <laughs> this, this is, isn't, this isn't. <laughs> this is ringing kind of familiar. <laughs> After some intimidation, Balefire reveals his name to Hook. And then Hook is just like, yep, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. After hearing this, Hook hands him a blanket, welcoming him to the pirate life. The boy already has so many blankets. Why are you piling more blankets on him? It's cold at sea, and he's just like, children, children need blankets, right? Care for a child, right? Give more blanket to child. Child (laughs) is more better with more blanket. (laughs) Cozy. You like to be cozy, right? This is how you be a dad? Yes? Yes. This is how dad. Have blanket. Dad. Crap like burrito. Yes, we're Here's a blanket. I am your father now. Here's a blanket. <laughs> In Storybrooke, Henry swings at the park while Granny stands by with her crossbow. Me as a grandma, to be honest. From behind some bushes, it appears that Mr. Gold is watching his grandson swing. But with a turn of his cane, the ropes of the swing begin to unravel. Henry continues swinging over what can now be identified as large, sharp rocks. Mr. Gold, you shitty shit. You leave Henry alone. Rumpelstiltskin, if you do anything to Henry, I'm going to rip your ass out through your eye sockets. (laughs) Grandpa Stiltskin, bad. Don't make me roll up the newspaper and bap you on the nose again. Also, who the hell would erect this fucking swing set like so close to sharp and jagged rocks? (laughs) I feel like it's revenge. Like Henry built it himself to be like, Ah, uh, my my old <laughs> castle was unsafe. Safe. Watch this. I'll show Watch you. This. I'm gonna swing over rocks now. Watch this, Regina. Watch this, Mom. <laughs> I'll show you with unsafe playing conditions, Mother. <laughs> Destroy my beach castle. Give me a fifty grand piece of crap. <laughs> God, it was so ugly. So, it was ugly. so ugly. I'm just gonna play on this piece of rope over shopping. Granny's just. I, it it like, could I guess have been fine. such a really cool looking design too. Like, like, yes, foreboding, but it could have actually been really cool. And then it was just bad. It, it was God, just bad. whatever it was. It, yeah. It's just, it's whatever it was. Did y'all ever see Dogma? Yes. I love the fact that, like, 
I think they took over an abandoned McDonald's or Burger King and turned it into the movies. <laughs> <laughs> like the, they're like welcome to movies you know so um that's just kind of like i'm just like you guys could have taken over some sort of like abandoned like structure and just spray painted it and added a little turret <laughs> like go to home depot for god's sake nope nope, nope. they nope. they had to give us whatever the hell that thing was <laughs> pointy castle a thing we will never see again so therefore we will not be paying yeah said henry's got a tire swing rope over some pointy rocks yeah living the dream (laughs) just as the swings rope appears to be on the verge of giving way mr gold stops himself because he hears the noise of david arriving in his car with mary margaret and emma the latter of whom goes to talk with henry they tell mr gold that they have news regarding his son mr gold appears disinterested but gets emotional when David informs Mr. Gold that Tamara shot Neil before he fell into a portal. Mr. Gold is distraught, flabbergasted, as Bay was not supposed to die. This is why we don't ignore our sons after finally getting them back. Also, you should have cared about meeting Tamara, because I'm sure you, like Emma did, would have picked up on the bad vibes too. 100%. And then we would have gotten like the greatest team up ever again of Emma and Mr. Gold. Like they would have been on the hunt. It would have been amazing. He was too preoccupied beating up men and day drinking with Lacey. (sighs) Just the classiest. (laughs) Classy choices. Classy choices of Mr. Gold. Classy choices all around. David tries to recruit Mr. Gold in their quest to reacquire the self-destruction trigger that Tamara and Greg Mandel stole from Regina, but Mr. Gold refuses. David tells Mr. Gold that Tamara and Greg killed his son, but Mr. Gold says that his son dying is the price he has to pay for bringing magic to this land, and that he too is prepared to pay that price. Mary Margaret disputes this, telling Mr. Gold that the trigger will kill everyone not born in this world. Mr. Gold maintains that he has made peace with that and walks away. Listen, Rupert Carlyle in this scene is very, very good. But don't get me wrong. Rumble is having a selfish dick bitch moment as he needs to take responsibility for the lies that he inadvertently, quote unquote, brought here. But just that instant acceptance that life is shit and futile speaks volumes of his insecurities, which feeds this dick bitch moment. This dick bitch moment brought to you by, sponsored by, Rumpelstiltskin's insecurities. Charming is so ready to throw down in the scene. He's just like, (laughs) fuck you, buddy. I don't want to die. I don't want my family to die. He's like five seconds away from just going off on him. I'll get you, old man. (laughs) Tackles him to the ground. Yeah. Just, oh my God. Golden Regina, what the fuck? Everyone should not have to die just because you're a bad dad. For real. Like, come on. (laughs) Also, I'm with Charming. Charming doesn't want to die. He just got his hot wife back. I know. Like, come on, have my hot wife back for two seconds. Come on, man. And my angry daughter, who I love. Mm -hmm. I love her. She likes to punch punch, just like I like to punch punch. Yeah. This is what we bond about. We punch punch. We punch punch. Meanwhile, Samara and Greg navigate the Storybrook mines with Hook. As they get closer to their desired destination, Hook illustrates his concerns about their home office and who is running it. Tamara tells Hook that they don't need to know who is leading their operation because unlike him, they believe in the sacredness of their cause. There's so much religious overtones with her language. Um, and I just really wonder where the showrunners had originally intended to go with this. Yeah, I, I feel like they definitely intended it to go somewhere in season three. And then, mm. well... Yeah, we'll find it. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that next season. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it that. next season. <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty common thread in this show for them to really start ramping up like they're going somewhere with something and then kind of just be like, we got tired. We got tired yeah. and distracted. Ooh, shiny! shiny pretty yeah. much. And they were like, Squirrel. just... Then we were bored and we just... Yeah. Just yeah, and I and I think just didn't feel like it anymore. So I didn't. I think this is one of those problematic things with showrunners that in some in some ways, not always, but in some ways, they are listening to a portion of their audience too much. Oh. So they are course correcting what they had planned in order to please an audience. I mean, this is something very common, you know, right. 
I think the reason why Greg and Tamara don't go anywhere is because they were not resonating with the audience. Like I remember when the season was live, mm. nobody liked the Greg and Tamara art. And I think that's why it's just pitters out, mm. which is kind of a shame because who knows, it could have gone somewhere really interesting. Yeah. Oh, well. Or maybe they were just distracted and shiny, like you said. <laughs> I was going to say, I think they're just not always so great at what they do. She says, trying to be as delicate as possible. Greg removes one of the dwarves' pickaxes, and Tamara shows him the brown diamond they stole from Regina. According to their sources, a dwarf pickaxe can activate the trigger and slowly bring about the destruction of Storybrooke, not to mention everyone in it as well. Except they're like, it has to be this pickaxe. And it's Happy's pickaxe. Happy's pickaxe activates the trigger. Happy. What the actual hell? Because it makes them happy to blow up the town. Or I guess have the town be reclaimed by the forest. Whatever. I don't, yeah, I'm with <laughs> Chell on that one. I'm, I'm with the just, I'm with the quiet, just whatever. They soon reveal to Hook that this trigger will kill everyone from the enchanted forest including Hook's nemesis, Rumpelstiltskin. Greg then asks Hook if he is willing to die to get his revenge. Hook gives them a humorless smile before saying absolutely. Greg then swings at the trigger with the pickaxe, causing an emission of blue energy. The three then aptly run out of the mines. Meanwhile, the destruction of Storybrooke has already begun as vines creep up the walls of the Storybrooke public library in mary margaret's loft regina gets out of bed just as the heroes arrive henry runs to hug her as the two embrace the room shakes knocking plates and vases over regina tells them that she recognizes this as a sign of the diamond's activation henry begins to worry that they will all die but regina assures him that he was born in this land and therefore will survive the destruction. Emma and Regina bicker about the ability to stop the self-destruct. Henry intervenes, ordering Emma and Regina to work together. Henry has two moms. Also, he is the only responsible adult in this town. Yeah. That's nothing new. Hmm. Hook enters the apartment and says that Henry has a point before David promptly punches him in the face and threatens Hook with his gun. Big himbo, big mad. Charming has been wanting to fight since Mr. Gold filled him with rage earlier. And he finally has a new target. Damn, that Charming is so hot right now. Emma confronts Hook about working with Tamara and Greg, to which he confesses. But Hook tells Emma that he wants to help them because his life matters more to him than revenge. The group begins to ponder all possible ways that they could save Storybrooke. Regina says that she could slow the destruction down, but it would just postpone their doom. David, on the other hand, thinks this could give them enough time to steal back the beans and get everyone back to the Enchanted Forest. Hook tells them that he knows Greg and Tamara's whereabouts, but Emma does not trust that he will not sabotage them. David proposes that he accompanies Hook to ensure this does not happen. They all split up. Emma and Regina go to the mines to take care of the diamond. David and Hook go to find Tamara and Greg, while Mary Margaret takes Henry to gather the citizens of Storybrooke. Before they all split up, Regina apologizes for not being the person Henry wants her to be, and for letting this happen. They exchange I love yous and hug before parting ways. Regina's just like, I screwed up a lot, kid. Full working on my redemption. I slipped up, tried to murder your loved ones maybe about five, six times this last year. But I'm trying. Honestly, I am. And Henry's like, I know this and I love you, mom. It's very much that uh, Parks and Rec meme. <laughs> like, I have never done anything wrong in my life ever. <laughs> I know this. And I love you. And I love you. <laughs> Money. money and now please. now she's like love me please love me please but at <laughs> least this end. time this is a big moment for regina because she's literally is like the first time she's been like i did something wrong i did didn't something just wildly point across the room and be like snow white did it 
No, yeah. <laughs> she's taking responsibility for once. So good on you, Regina. I done fucked up. She grew. She grew a little bit. She grew a little bit right here. Mm-hmm. Like the Grinch. Like the Grinch. Hook exchanges a look with David and says, the things we do for our children. Back in Neverland, a boat of boys sail through the waters. Meanwhile, Smee tries to persuade Hook into giving up Balefire, but Hook sees him as the key to his revenge and will not give up the Dark One's son. I have to say, this Smee is my least favorite Smee. I know, and historically, Smees are pretty likable. Especially Bob Hoskins. He's my yes. favorite. He's such a good Smee. He, he, is, he, is, he is best Smee. Oh, absolutely. Me indisputable best Smee. Absolutely. 100%. The Lost Ones have climbed aboard the Jolly Roger. One of the Lost Ones asks Hook if he has seen a boy. The boy tells Hook that this boy was previously adrift, and that the mysterious he has an interest in the boy. This character, we'll learn that his name is Felix, and I have no idea why they cast a literal 27-year-old man to play a lost boy. Like, he looks like the Dollar Tree version of Jamie Campbell Bauer. I remember when this was first airing, Tumblr was very weird about Felix. Weird weird and how? Like, they were all creeped out by him? No, they they were, you know how they were weird. Oh, they were thirsting for him. They were thirsting for him. I mean, at least he was like a grown ass man, but still. I didn't know that. So it weirded me out, but I assumed like a lot of people were younger than me on Tumblr. So I was like, whatever. But uh, yeah, like, people I, I, were into Felix. Oh, wow. I am so not into Felix. No. <laughs> I'm into Jamie Campbell Bauer. But like, I remember him just like freaking me out because of just clearly visibly how old, how much older he is. This and is I'm clearly like, a grown ass man. I'm yeah. like, this is clearly a grown ass man. Why is a grown ass man playing? like a lost boy and i'm like maybe that's why they switched their names to the lost one so they make an exception for this uh <laughs> fucking social security collecting motherfucker <laughs> how's it going fellow teens he's just steve buscemi coming in with his skateboard <laughs> yes, he really is and he's not a bad actor like i'm just like we couldn't put this guy like on the back burner for like a like another villain down the line or something for and... literally anyone who isn't supposed to be an actual child exactly i was just like he's not bad let's bring him back for something i don't know but i was just like okay whatever <laughs> hook denies having the boy so the Lost Ones ask him if they can search his ship, to which Hook agrees. The Lost Ones descend into the depths of the Jolly Roger to hunt for the boy. Hook follows them down. The Lost Ones tell Hook that he is new to this land, therefore unaware of the consequences of lying to him. The Lost Ones reveal that he can rip one shadow from their body. And the way Felix says, Ooh like whoa buddy you're getting real intense here Ugh, the youths <laughs> the lost ones then leave the ship empty-handed unaware that balefire had been hiding balefire tells hook that he thought pirates only cared about themselves but hook says that balefire has a lot to learn we then return to storybrook Mr. Gold comes out from the back of his shop to find Happy, Dopey, Doc, Walter, Bashful, and Leroy shifting through the artifacts in the shop. He says that looting is a sign that the end is coming. Leroy says that it isn't looting if the stuff is already theirs. Leroy finds Sneezy's old mug and plans to use it to bring Mr. Clark's memories back. He adds that Mother Superior found out how Mr. Clark can regain his memories. He must drink Mother Superior's potion out of something that was important to him. Mr. Gold finds it strange that Mother Superior made the potion right before they're all about to die. Leroy tells Mr. Gold that after she turned August back into Pinocchio, she found the ingredient she needed, a hair from Pinocchio's head. Mr. Clark says that he doesn't want his memories back right before he dies, but Leroy insists. The doors take a protesting Mr. Clark back to Granny's, while Leroy stays behind in Mr. Gold's shop. He gives Mr. Gold another dose of the potion for Belle. He remarks that Belle helped him remember who he was, and he wishes to return the favor. 
pleading with Mr. Gold to not let Belle die as Lacey. No one should have to die as Lacey. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> as Leroy leaves, Belle's cursed self, Lacey, comes out from the back of the shop to ask Mr. Gold what happened. Mr. Gold blows his encounter with Leroy off as nothing. I love Leroy so much. And that Leroy was working with the Blue Fairy also on a way to help Belle. I, I think it's very sweet. And I wish the show spent more time on Belle and Leroy's friendship because it was cute. And Leroy is a very good man. Big same. And for any friendship of Leroy or Belle's, to be honest, like, I'm like, just please show friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need 100% more Belle and Ruby friendship too. And also, where is Ruby? I miss where her. Where is Ruby? Yeah, she was listed in the credits for this episode and I didn't see her show up once. She was nowhere. No, she wasn't. Mm-mm. Like she, like the time I remember in the opening, it said Megan Ori, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't remember her being in this episode." And then to my shock, she wasn't. No, I think like contractually, she gets a name credit. I miss her. It's gonna be a while till we get more Ruby too. It's false mm-hmm. advertisement, yeah. and I will not stand for it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cook and David find Greg, who has just burnt an accordion folder full of files. The two quickly run after him as the ground of Storybrooke begins to quake. Fun fact, while filming this episode, Colin O'Donoghue had just come back from having broken his leg. Oh no! Filming the scene where Hook is running through the canary was hard, and Colin was desperately trying to run without a limp. Bud. Yeah. Poor guy. In Neverland, Hook begins teaching Balefire a lesson in how to sail the Jolly Roger. This is some cute Dread Pirate Robert shit. Good work. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Hook is honestly very sweet with Bay. Mm-hmm. Very cute. He's like, I guess I'm going to dad you now. I guess this is how we live now. <laughs> yep. As Balefire begins to sail the ship, Hook asks him what happened to his father. Balefire simply says that he abandoned him. Hook tells him the story of when his own father abandoned him, how they planned to travel the realms. But one morning he awoke and found that his father had left to avoid being captured. Balefire, unaware that Hook knows his father is the Rumpelstiltskin, tells Hook that his father is the Dark One. He explains that when he was drafted into the Ogre Wars, his father wanted to protect him, so he searched for the Dark One dagger, the only weapon capable of killing the Dark One, but became obsessed with power after he attained it. Concluding his story, Balefire tells Hook that his father chose his power over him. Balefire then goes back to sailing, while a very pensive Hook watches. I know, he caught a case of the stepdad feels. Brimstone and gall, I love this kid. (laughs) In Storybrook, as David and Hook walk, David asks Hook why his revenge is suddenly less important to him than his life. He responds that fighting for himself is enough motivation for him. Around the corner, David spots Greg and points his gun at him, ordering him to give them the beans. Greg holds up the beans before Tamara shoots at David. Hook and Greg begin to wrestle for the bean while David chases after an armed Tamara. Craig in this fight is just like, oh no, I regret everything. I can't fight. Only Tamara knows how to fight. So out of his element. <laughs> oh no, the beans. The beans. beans. <laughs> <laughs> Never not going to be old to me. I mean, it's the funniest line that's ever yeah. happened. Poor Diney. While running, Tamara trips over something, which results in her dropping her gun. As David races his gun, Greg knocks him to the ground and runs off with Tamara. Hook runs up from behind David and shows him that he managed to get one of the beans from Greg. David attempts to go after them, but Hook holds him back, urging him to live to fight another day. In the Storybrook Mines, Emma and Regina tread along the same path that Tamara and Greg walked along in their pursuit of the pickaxes. Emma says to Regina that it feels like oxygen has been sucked out of the air. Regina tells her that magic is what's being sucked out of the air. And I like this little exchange. I think it it's a nice little world building. It, it sets the mood well for how dire the situation actually is right now. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. Nice, nice little writing bit. 
They make their way to the glowing diamond, and Regina stands before it. She tells Emma that she can contain its magic for a little while, but that slowing the device will take every ounce of strength she has. Emma understands that Regina intends to die, but tries to prevent her from sacrificing her life. Regina tells Emma that she created the trigger. Therefore, it is fair that it takes her life. Before Emma leaves, Regina tells her to tell Henry that it wasn't too late for her to do the right thing. Emma makes a final plea with Regina, but she has already begun taking in the trigger's magic. I'm so proud of you, Regina. You've done so many awful things, but I'm really proud of her in this moment as she finally tries to do right by Henry by saving those he loves instead of trying to destroy them. Lana's so good in the scene. Jennifer is so good in the scene. Just in general, this episode has some great performances from the whole cast. Yeah, I agree. And I like this scene a lot. It's very like Regina's come to Jesus moment. Like I've lived my life being like the evil queen. Let me like die as Regina. I thought that was Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That was great. Good payoff, I think, for some of the stuff she went through this season. I think so as well. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lacey and Mr. Gold pour some drinks while the exterior of his shop becomes overrun with plants. Lacey spills the drink and begins drying the counter with Balefire's shawl. Mr. Gold takes the shawl away from her, telling him that it belonged to someone very important to him, but she wouldn't understand. Mr. Gold removes the remains of the chipped cup from his cupboard and magically repairs it with a flick of his wrist. After this, he pours Mother Superior's potion into the cup before offering it to Lacey. She's like, oh my God, you in this fucking cup. <laughs> no, at first she's just like, Ugh, again. Like, again. Yeah, you, see, you see the look on her face and she's just, and like, I think she even says like, ah, that cup again. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, she's done. <laughs> I think she, I think the line is like, you in this cup or like, what's with you in this cup or something like that. <laughs> There's a definite indication that she's just like, oh God, here we go again. Okay. <laughs> He's going to call me Belle again. Great. Fuck. <laughs> Had it up to here. <laughs> After she sips from the cup, Lacey remembers her past as Belle. The two kiss, and Mr. Gold apologizes for letting her remember right before she is going to die. Belle is brokenhearted over the loss of Balefire, and the two cry and embrace, waiting for the end. If Neil hadn't been shot, and if they weren't about to just die, do you think Belle would have been angry about Rumpelstiltskin's behavior recently? Like, at first, my gut says yes, but then I remember her lack of a reaction when she found out that he killed his wife in his past. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. The thing is, is that, like, Belle's a complex character for them to write adequately, which is ironic because they set her up that way and couldn't keep up the momentum. Like, great fellas, you had this good person you know, fall in love with the villain, but she's a good guy. So now what? And they're just like sitting there with blank faces, sticking their pencil erasers up their nose. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, well, don't set her up to be like a complex character in love with another complex character and then not follow that up because (laughs) it's just, it's a waste. Too often they have her ignore what she shouldn't. Exactly. And I'm like, if you're not willing to like have this character have hard conversations and go like through like this whole process, then why is she there? And I'm not saying like, don't have Belle. I love Belle. I love her a lot. But like what I love about her, I think the most is the potential (laughs) that they don't fulfill within her tragically. And that's the part that bothers me about her. Poor Belle. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. David and Hook show up at Granny's Diner and announce that they have the beans. 
As they all get ready to leave, Henry asks Emma where Regina is. Once Emma tells Henry that Regina is absorbing the trigger and won't survive, Henry refuses to leave her to die. When Henry compares the situation to when they saved Regina from the Wraith, Mary Margaret gets the idea to send the trigger to another world, much like they did with the Wraith. Emma says that the plan is too risky, but Archie, along with everyone else in the diner, agrees that it is the only way to survive. I love Archie. I got so excited to see his face. I just, I missed him a lot. This season did not have enough Archie. I agree. Also, they're like, oh, is everyone ready to go? How is this everyone? This is like 10 people. (laughs) It was just like, um, shouldn't everyone be gathered in the town square? Like grab a shit ton of extras. Like, what is this? This is nonsense. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Also, they're like, oh, let's send this trigger into another world and i'm like well, is it gonna fuck up the other world like a bomb like i mean you're gonna just be like nah, it's another world's problem <laughs> i mean i guess maybe because it's a self-destruct that was specific for storybrook yeah that's you know? what, yeah that's what i said like maybe they're just hoping it's like directly connected to them so it wouldn't do anything elsewhere lynn and me were talking while we were watching it about how like you know henry's gonna survive when it all happens so it's like it's not like it's blowing up it's like it's retaking the town and just like everyone's going to like drop dead. Or at least that's what, what we assume. Like, or maybe they just cease to exist. Because that's kind of like what the vines are doing. Like the forest is supposed to like reclaim. Yeah, just like erase from existence. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Just poof up in some purple smoke. Yeah. David and Mary Margaret plead with Emma to let them make the right choice this time. Emma is wary as she does not want to risk Henry growing up alone as she did. The diner violently shakes, and Emma demands for them to take the surefire exit. But Mary Margaret says that she can't take the easy way out like she did by killing Cora, and that she did it because it was easy, and that she would rather take the harder path. Otherwise, they would be building a future on Regina's blood. Emma agrees, so David tosses her the pouch containing the beans, but Hook snatches it away from her. Hook tells Emma that if Regina wants to die for them, they should let her. But Emma tells him that he can either work with them and be part of something, or he can work by himself and have it end badly. Hook then hands over the pouch, asking her why she is so passionate. And she responds that Henry just lost his father today, and she won't let him lose his mother too. Hook asks Emma who Henry's dad is, and she tells him Neil, and Hook realizes that Balefire is Henry's father. And you can tell Hook's just like, shit, someone I actually care about is dead now, and I feel bad about uh, everything. Oh no, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Still gonna make some bad choices, but I'm I'm feeling bad about it right now. In Neverland, Smee tells Hook that if he doesn't surrender Balefire to the Lost One soon, not only will Balefire be taken, but Hook will be killed. Oh my god. Shut up, Smee. Hook grows angry at Smee, asserting that he is the captain of the ship, and that if anyone disagrees, they can walk the plank. You're damn right. Hook is like, never speak to me or my son ever again. (laughs) Balefire then jumps up from under the ship's deck and slashes at Hook with a sword. Balefire shows Hook the drawing of his mother, Mila, that he found on Hook's desk. Balefire says that Hook is the pirate who killed her, before swiping at Hook again, who again averts the sword. Hook confesses that he and Mila were in love and ran off together, and that Rumpelstiltskin not only lied to Balefire, but was the one who ripped out Mila's heart and crushed it. I'd completely forgot that Bay actually did learn the truth about what happened to his mom and that it was Rumpelstiltskin who killed her. I totally forgot as well. I think for him, she left when he was so young and he already mourned her loss because, you know, he thought she was dead. To have the story change from she died to she willingly left added complexities that unfortunately Bay just doesn't get to explore because the writers hate that sort of character development. (laughs) Confronted with the truth and conflicting emotions, Balefire asserts that his mother abandoned him. Hook insists 
that Mila regretted leaving Bay and that she and Hook talked about returning for him when he was old enough. He believes them finding each other is fate's way of carrying out Mila's plans. Balefire confronts Hook about wanting his father dead, and Hook admits this. Balefire tells Hook that he ripped apart his family and demands to be taken back to his real family, the Darlings. Hook tells Balefire that he can't do this, and that it is impossible to leave Neverland, and that he is better off on the Jolly Roger, where he has protection. Balefire walks away from Hook and says that he would rather fend for himself. Poor Bay. Why does life constantly shit on him? But you know, can you imagine if, like, Killian and Mila had, like, made it back in time to, like, whisk Bay away and raise him on the Jolly Roger? That's weirdly cute. Mm, finding out that she abandoned him might not compel Bay to have gone with her. Like, I mean, let's be real. Both of his parents failed him in different ways. I mean, that's true, yes, but small pirate family adventures. <laughs> I mean, that's very cute. Yes, it's cute to think of. Yes, yeah, absolutely, no, but it, but 100%. Yeah. But that's a, I guess, extra trauma that Bay doesn't need to go through. He has no breaks. Nope. Balefire has no breaks. He had like a few weeks or months breaks in the Darling's house and that was it. Yeah. Back in Storybrook, Henry, Emma, Mary Margaret, and David all go down into the mines where Regina is still struggling to contain the trigger's magic. Henry tells Regina that she is willing to die to save them and that makes her a hero. David tells her his plans to open a portal with magic beans and throw the trigger in it. Regina claims that it may not work, but Mary Margaret says that they have to try. Emma digs through the pouch to find the magic bean, but discovers that it is empty. Meanwhile, Hook has a bean in his hand as he sails the Jolly Roger away from the Storybrook dock. Back in the past, Balefire tells Hook to drop him off anywhere on Neverland's Island. Though Hook tells him he won't be able to survive alone. Hook tries to talk Balefire into staying aboard his ship, but Balefire says that he knows that Hook will never change because he only cares about himself. Hook then thanks Balefire for reminding him that his real ambition is killing Rumpelstiltskin. Just as he says this, the Lost Ones climb aboard the ship and take Balefire who tells Hook that he is just like his father. In the present day, Hook debates the bean in the palm of his hand. We now cut to a story brook that is overrun with vines and trees as it begins to transform into the forest it once was. In the mines, Regina tells the Charming family that she can't contain the trigger much longer. Emma walks over to her parents and Henry, and the four embrace. My eyes got a little misty when Emma called them mom and dad and hugged them. I'm not going to lie. I know. It broke my heart. Is this the first time that she calls them mom and dad? I think so. And like overall, this is an amazing bit of character growth compared to how she was acting around, you know, Snow and Charming during the first episode of this season when she was so kind of uncomfortable with the concept of them being her parents. Mm-hmm. That's some really nice bookend moments for the season. Yeah. Henry walks over to Regina, who tells Henry that she is not strong enough to save them. Emma then walks over to Regina and tells her that maybe together they can be strong enough. Emma begins to absorb the magic with Regina, and the combination of their magic causes an explosion of blue magic, effectively detonating the trigger. And Swan Queen fans, is this your Sailor Moon miracle romance moment? Is this like one of the touchstone moments for your ship? Because, like, Regina is is struggling, and Emma just, she helps for just, like, one moment, and then it's just, like, magic palooza. Henry has two moms, and they save the day. Oh, this has to be a, a touchstone moment for them, and I do not blame those Snow Queen shippers at all. It's very Moon Revenge from the Sailor Moon R movie. Oh, yeah, Swan Queen shippers, come get your juice. You are fed well today in the season two finale. Above the mines... The shrubbery and vines recoil, and the buildings are restored. David, Mary Margaret, Emma, and Regina are all knocked over by the blast, and soon discover that Henry is nowhere to be found. 
We quickly cut to the streets where we learn that Tamara and Greg have abducted Henry. Henry puts up a struggle as he accuses them of trying to destroy Storybrooke. Tamara admits this, but tells him that it was never their endgame. Greg tells Henry that although they came to Storybrooke to destroy magic, they have found something more important. The friends they made along the way? No, Henry. Dun, dun, dun. Meh, I like <laughs> mine better. Meanwhile, David, Mary Margaret, Regina, and Emma are now searching Storybrooke for Henry. They soon spy Greg and Tamara with Henry in their clutches. They watch helplessly as Greg throws the last bean and jumps into the portal with Tamara and Henry. Emma runs to the portal, but it closes too quickly for her to follow. Regina tells Emma that because Hook stole the last bean, there is no way for them to follow them. Mr. Gold and Belle soon arrive at the dock to discover what has unfolded. Emma begs for Mr. Gold's help, but he tells her that even as the Dark One, it took him years to cross worlds, and without a portal, it is no use. You're a real downer this episode, Rumple. Belle spies the Jolly Roger returning towards Storybrooke. Once he is docked, Hook tells Emma that he is there to help and offers her the pouch containing the last magic bean. Ah, look at Hook finally getting to have his Han Solo moment and returning to help Luke destroy the Death Star. In this case, Emma's Luke. And the Death Star is, uh, tomorrow and Greg. Sure. Sure. They tell Hook that they have already saved the town, and now it is time for them to follow Greg and Tamara through their portal to rescue Henry. Mr. Gold tells them that he can track Greg and Tamara. Everyone climbs aboard. Mr. Gold stops Belle from boarding and charges her with protecting Storybrooke, as Greg and Tamara aren't working alone, and other agents are sure to follow. He gives Belle instructions on how to cast a cloaking spell over Storybrooke. A resigned Mr. Gold tells Belle that according to a prophecy, the boy is his undoing. But he accepts this as he must save his grandson no matter what. Belle understands, but is confident they will meet again. They kiss before a tearful Belle leaves the dock. My god, why can't you just have literally anyone else in the town do the spell, you stupid self-sabotaging man? Just let her come with you. Jesus tap dancing Christ. She deserves adventure in the great wide somewhere. <laughs> I, I like the idea of Belle having her own storybook adventures. Maybe like I'm a little okay with it just because I already know what's coming. But I like her being the protector of the town while Gold and Regina are away. But I think this exchange was just really super clunky and poorly delivered. Like he should be lifting her up and lifting up, you know, her and her abilities and her confidence and stuff in this. That's really not what it reads as, though. It's very much as like a, a little woman needs to stay home is very much oh, how it was acted. Which Yeah, is, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was just really poorly delivered and clunky. Like, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. like, I feel like it'd be one thing if there was an emphasis on like, I trust that, you. Yeah, I trust you. You're the one person I trust to keep the place safe while we're gone type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said nice. it was very much like, send the little woman home to look after things while I'm gone. I don't want you getting hurt, honey. Mm-hmm. yeah by the it way can, patronizing it yeah yeah it, it, it the delivery was very patronizing and i feel like the director should have done a little bit more there in the enchanted forest a man is lying at the shore of the safe haven three of the safe haven's inhabitants prince philip aurora and mulan discover the body and turn him over revealing that the man is neil though t3 save neil i missed them well I mostly missed Milan and Aurora, but, but Philip is handsome, so he, he can come too. Bah, get out of there, Philip. You're blocking the lesbians. All right, fine. It's true. I'd rather just be Milan and Aurora. But I am genuinely happy and, you know, relieved that Neil is there and found. Bay's not dead. Bay's not dead. Yay. 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 Back in Storybrooke, sworn enemies, Mr. Gold and Hook, are now aboard the Jolly Roger. Mr. Gold asks Hook if he's done trying to kill him, and Hook responds that he believes so. Mr. Gold deems Hook can live. Hook is so fucking done, and I don't blame him. He's just like, wow, whatever, asshole. (laughs) 
Yeah, this was a dumb exchange. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would have rather they did the tough bro kind of like truce, truce thing, even if they agree it's only temporary. It's just, you know, truce, truce bro. Yeah, truce bro. You know, again, like, <sighs> why is Rumple written so fucking poorly in this episode? I don't know, but he's real bad. Like the whole, yeah. like, good, you can live then. It's like, oh, uh, okay, then. once again, oh, we got a badass. What a badass in here. Yeah. Mr. Gold then uses his magic to summon his magic globe and pricks his finger on it, showing Henry's whereabouts. Nice to see the globe make another appearance. This is a really smart use of an already established magical object. Well, once again, they're good with object continuity, not character continuity. (laughs) Neither Regina, David, Emma, or Mary Margaret recognize the location on the map. But Hook and Mr. Gold instantly recognize that Henry was taken to Neverland. In the Neverland of the past, the Lost Ones bring Balefire ashore and unmask him in front of some of the other Lost Ones. Balefire is not the one they want, so they toss him over to be with the rest of their captives. In Storybrook, Hook tosses the bean into the water, and now the Jolly Roger sails full force towards the portal. David asks Mr. Gold what they are up against, and Mr. Gold tells him that Tamar and Greg are just pawns, working for someone they should all fear. We quickly flash to Neverland, where the Lost Ones discuss Balefire, one of the Lost Ones wonders if they will ever find who they are looking for. Felix says it will take time, but Peter Pan never fails. And while it's obvious it was coming, I, I do still love the reveal that Peter Pan is our, our new villain here. And uh, I just, I really love a lot about the next arc we have coming up. So I'm excited. I do love evil Peter Pan. I don't love everything they do with him, but I do love evil Peter Pan. I love a villainous Pan. I mean, fair. (laughs) Felix looks down at a piece of paper that bears the image of Henry. Well, that's not creepy at all. In Storybrooke, the Jolly Roger sails further into the distance until it reaches the portal. As the ship enters the vortex, it closes and the waters of Storybrooke are still once more. And credits. It's interesting to me that Greg and Tamara are barely in the climax of their story arc. But I'm also like okay with it because this episode is probably stronger for it. The back third of this season really is, it's a lot weaker than the first two thirds. Mm-hmm. But I think this finale still manages to be a, pr- a pretty solid finale. I think this, the penultimate and the finale, like, work work well together. They're decently cohesive story. It, it works for me. It, it also helps us, you know, refocus on our core cast. No one feels too out of character other than Rumpel being a little bitch, but that happens. <laughs> That that just happens. (laughs) That just happens. Um, We see some really stellar performances from our core cast in this one. And I think the flashbacks here do a really great job of setting the stage for the next main arc in the show. And, you know, makes makes me excited to be starting season three in our rewatch, knowing what's coming. So yeah, for a kind of a wah-wah last third of the season... It's a, it's a solid finale. I, I enjoyed myself watching it. So I don't think this is a bad episode, but it is a frustrating episode. Like Rumpelstiltskin's whole hokey-dokey, I could probably stop this, but I'm not gonna. Balefire is dead, so the whole boat gets to go down with me. Yatada thing is so aggravating. Like... Okay, how about the woman you supposedly love? Literally the only person who loves you. You aren't even going to try for her? Why does Belle have to die just because you don't feel like trying? I need to sit both you and Regina down and explain to you that people don't need to die just because you're a bad parent. Mm -hmm. Like, there are things I like, and I like what it's setting up for because I do like 90% of the Neverland arc, but I don't know. It frustrated me a lot. 
I wholeheartedly agree. The setup is so cumbersome, especially with Rumpelstiltskin. Like everyone else was really solid though. And I remember when I first watched this episode, I was really pumped for the Neverland arc. But yeah, no, echo, I just echo what Lynn said. Okay, but I feel like for all the Swan Queen fans out here. Oh my God, probably an what a nice payoff for them. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure if, if Swan Queen is your bag, I'm sure that this episode was just like... Oh, the piece de resistance. Yeah, just like chef's kiss. Finally, yeah. some decent fucking food. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so good on you, Swan Queen shippers. Congratulations, Swan Queen shippers. You get a, you get some, you, you get got some. something. You got something. Yeah, you got something. Because that was like, that was. They a don't snippet. often throw you a lot, but, but, the, but this time you got, you got a good. You got a good Swan Queen fans. Hope you like this one. Hope you like this one. I'm real, real sorry for you, Rumbellers out there. Yeah, Rumbellers, we gotta have it. We gotta <laughs> have like a talk, a, like a, like a heart to heart about this episode. About a, quite a few episodes of this season, to be honest. Well. This one and The Outsider. Those those are the ones that were, it was just like, oh my God, what the fuck is actually going on? Yeah. Ugh. That's okay. We write our own canon and I'm, we I'm do boring. it better. Snowing, like snowing so I'm fine over here. Yeah. We didn't get a lot of lot of food for snowing, but they were sweet. They, they, were they hugged. They were cute. Them. They're always wonderful when they're together. Yeah. Snowing always makes me happy, except for like, you know, in season one when they're cursed and David's a jerk because he's cursed and honestly once we got past cursed david we were okay yeah Yeah. i can't wait to see more at least what i'm hoping is more of bonding between emma and her parents and her growing more and more comfortable at least i hope with the idea of them as her parents and treating them like her parents but we'll talk more about that in the next episode let's talk about costumes pirate bay was so freaking cute that like i just wanted to pinch his cheeks he was so precious. He was super precious. I don't think we had anything else new besides like the Lost Boys, like their their hooded capes, their like little rogue outfits. But uh, Belle's coat at the end was really cute. The like, the really rich blue. I did like her blue coat. Yeah. I can, was... I can tell you the brand of that. Ooh, what's the oh, brand? Um, Hold on. I'm pulling that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like the perfect cartoon blue, like um, like it Belle's was, present dress. It also made her eyes like hella pop. Yeah, it mm-hmm. looks so pretty. Belle is wearing an asymmetrical city trench by Miss Sixty. Okay, um, was I it also, trench it didn't look like a trench. It looked like. I mean, a to be fair, I feel like we don't actually get to see. It. Do we get to see a full on of it? I only remember seeing waist up, but I think I was possibly. No, I mean waist a, down. No, waist up. They, they didn't just they didn't just show her knees for the whole thing <laughs> oh i'm sorry i thought you said they didn't show us no i said i, <laughs> I was like what? A waist up and i was like no it'd be real weird if they just were like her and rumple still skin are gonna have this really heartfelt conversation but <laughs> it's like the, her knees. it's like just all the your... adults and muppet babies oh yeah a nice hair thing in this episode actually i i have to point out about Belle too is that when she's lacy she has that really messy ponytail i love and it and even though like she's Belle again and the like her whole world's about to you know end essentially, next we see her and she's in a little coat over the lacy outfit. She has cleaned up the ponytail. It is a sleek, clean, that girl brushed her hair in the middle of all this. And I can appreciate that. <laughs> well, I think I mean, even just like the coat alone already signifies that she is now Belle. Mm-hmm. You know. She's like, hello, I'm Belle and I am back. Classing it up a bit. Classing it up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that dress, that lacy dress. So, but you know, it'd be chilly by the sea. So, oh, yeah. Um, my book's got to give you 10 more blankets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would. I am that bitch. I will ask for more blankets. <laughs> Who's that guest star in season two, episode 22? We have no one. Ha ha ha. Stay tuned for season three. Are we just saving Pan's right-hand man, Felix, for season three? We absolutely the fuck are. All right, there we go. <laughs> we'll find out who you are later. Because <laughs> well, does we don't even know we we're we not technically even supposed to know even, his name. We yet, don't right? even know his name. I'm oh just no, saying spoilers! Yeah, I don't just, know. He's just, just like, like unwashed. His name is fucking Felix. Five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His name is Felix. I don't care. People can like. Shit, I'm like that's. We'll see a lot of him next season. Yeah. 
All right, it's time to throw a magic bean into the water and dive on down the portal to once upon a timeline. What? You heard me. I, I said know, it. I, she said it. <laughs> I heard you. It doesn't mean I comprehended what came out of your mouth. All right, so the flashbacks in this episode directly pick up where the ones in the previous episode, season two, episode 21, second star to the right ends and then the one we have seen uh before this that most closely follows it is season one and episode five that's still small voice but we will see episodes that more closely follow this one next season time for some share and tell oh that's me though i go first hey hey So I literally had to look at my day planner (laughs) to fill out this section because my brain is a hot bowl of mush right now. I walked five miles today, mostly at a local flea market for an event I hosted. It was fun, but I'm out of shape and that was exhausting. (laughs) Um, I did get some good finds, including some unicorn figurines and some vintage fiesta wear I plan on reselling. Uh, Not, you know, because I didn't know they were vintage, not because I was looking to resell. I also got to attend a friend's birthday party on Saturday. It's the first birthday party of the pandemic that I've gone to, and it was very nice just to kick back, relax, have some drinks and garbage food and enjoy company I have not seen in literally two years or more. (laughs) So yeah, that was really good. Um, Also, I got to snuggle some seriously cute puppers, and that's always a big win in my book. Nice. That is is a win. That is a a win. So mine is that we now have the choreography down for our first dance at the wedding. It's all fully planned. Uh, so it's it's been fun to dance properly because um, I've, I've always been convinced, convinced I have two left feet. Uh, but now I can waltz and I can do some other fancy moves. So that's, that's pretty nice. I'm trying to be nice and not just talk about my wedding because I feel like that's all I talk about because like it's next month so that's 99% of what I've got going on now but to give the listeners a break for me being like blah 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 wedding I really liked Chell's streaming dream daddy Yay! I liked watching that while I was up to my eyeballs and sewing costumes and thank you so much for all the uh all, all the answers <laughs> yeah no I'm I I'm I'm your girl dating sims are my thing (laughs) also a few weeks ago a friend of mine sent me a tea care package i've been slowly working on from pitador brews and they're all fabulous so i've been loving that too yeah they're good they're delicious they're really good i feel like they have a good herbal selection they might i haven't tried any of them because she when she she made me a mystery care package but she asked me what type of teas do you generally like? And I said, I like black teas and I generally like this sort of flavor profile. So all of the ones I've tried are black. So they're all really good. So I assume their herbals would also be good, but they got, they got got a good herbal section and they also have a good uh, rooibos section. So cool. I'll have to uh, check them out. They're good quality. So I assume everything's good. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, it's time for our end of season two wrap up. Join us as we discuss the best and worst of Once Upon a Time Season 2 and answer any of your burning questions. Be sure to send them in via Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, or send us a voice message via Anchor FM. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, no one needs to die just because you're a bad parent. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at once upon a rewatch If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or on your platform of choice. Our artwork for the podcast was done by Laichi Ruru. That's L-A-I-C-H-I-R-U-R-U at twitter.com. 
This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairytale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. We finished season two, y'all. We did. We did it. We did it.